Greetings and salutations. You're listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I am your host, Reed, aka Sick Robot, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going, everyone? And our very esteemed guest, Brayden. Hello, I'm Brayden. I play the Dandans. Um, man, I don't, I don't even know how to go about introducing Brayden without like just like, <laughs> just like levels and levels and years and years of backstory but uh brayden's been uh around in the cdh community for a long ass time if you haven't heard of him which i don't know how you haven't um well if you started uh, playing cdh point... since like i don't know two years ago you <laughs> almost certainly haven't yeah i guess <laughs> i guess huh um but at one time uh one of the co-hosts of the uh, cdh cast along with uh ian comedian of comedian fame and cdh cast fame obviously um who uh is now in uh, a place where he's not as much involved with the CDH community, but he is involved uh, with something that we are going to be talking about today. Um, Braden, would you like to tell everybody what that it's is? It's Dan Dan. It's the best format ever. It, it rules. <laughs> it's, it's the best. It is pretty freaking fantastic. Um, we'll sort of get into what it, Dan Dan is if you haven't heard of it before, um, once we get into the main topic, uh, but rest assured, uh, this one is going to be a hot episode. You can feel it in my bones. It's going to be a good one. Um, uh, Brayden, if you'd like to uh, just, well, I'll give you some space at the start of the episode here just to sort of introduce people, um, sort of get anything that you want out there, uh, any shilling done. Sure. Uh, I work for Star City Games, uh, which is a game store online retailer uh, i make some content for them uh, called market movers sorry called market movers where we uh, list off some stuff that happens in magic finance every week and uh, we sell magic cards so if you want to like build your dan dan deck you, maybe you'll buy the cards from star city games uh well hey look at that look at yeah, that what a pro i not not even getting paid to say that just you know loving my <laughs> employer uh and uh if you follow me on twitter at braden mtg i post a lot about dan dan i talk about the cards i'm thinking about adding and cutting i post uh what events i'm going to be at um so if you are into dan dan after this uh podcast which i hope you will be uh my twitter is probably a useful place to be as I'm probably one of the people who kind of organizes the most Dan Dan stuff. Hell yeah. Um, and we'll have all of Braden's links in the uh, description for this episode if you want to go check them out as well. Um, so you don't have to go manually t- you manually typing links into search bars and Disgusting. on the internet. Gross. <laughs> who even has a keyboard these days? Right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I just tell ChatGPT uh, to with- like type garbage into Google for me. <laughs> just, 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 you know... <laughs> Just using ChatGPT as Google. So, hey, uh, ChatGPT, what's that website again that does the thing? Oh, cool. Thanks. Much thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just, just treating it like a, you're just like, it's just like your, your random, like, fucking stoner housemate that's like 25 that, like, you only talk to when you need random trivia. <laughs> that's the best characterization of ChatGPT I've ever heard. Hey, ChatGPT, what are the top three Google results for this movie? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's what chat gpt uh, was built for cool oh yeah 100 percent um but without further ado uh we're just gonna hop into some housekeeping real quick um as always we'd like to thank our patrons who help keep the show running um we have one new patron for this episode which is william l thanks william l you rock still waiting Yay. on the C D. not here yet um uh next up though uh we have uh 
a new development, I guess. Uh, we probably should have thought about this one a bit more, because I'm sure there probably were a couple that we could have picked up on. But uh, I guess this is the one that's uh, relevant to our we're, lives we're in very, general. We're, we're very professional. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, a couple weekends ago, we went to Buffalo to hang out with the Bufftown Bullies. Uh, shout out them. We'll, we'll put a link to all their, their stuff, stuff in the description as fantastic. well. Fantastic. Go check them out. Uh, they put on a little tournament, Battle for the Badlands. Uh, Reed, you know, walked away with a Badlands. So yeah, I did. You can prob- probably guess what that means about his results. And uh, <laughs> and I took second. And I believe they're planning on doing tournaments similar to that monthly, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think don't know they already if have one lined up for, I think it's uh, it, I think it's April the 26th. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, we'll, but, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, get the, we'll make sure the info yeah. for that's in the description. Uh, if you're in the area, definitely check them out. Uh, I'm hoping to make it out to them, I'll say regularly. I don't know, like, Buffalo is, you know, two-ish hours away. Yeah. It's not necessarily... <laughs> I can't guarantee you being able to get there uh, every time, but I'm definitely hoping to uh, to attend more of them, and hopefully I'll see anyone there. And even if I don't, they are still good events. You should still uh, go play in them. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think we're also going to try to drag some uh, some Toronto peeps down as well uh, next time we go. At least get like oh. a couple of people. We, we might be able to get Lyndon down. I think Lyndon was I just, interested, so... I just want... <laughs> like a clown car full of toronto people, <laughs> people just like crossing just, the border like you know three people dual in the back seat <laughs> you know yeah, put, yeah. putting up the like the second row of seats in the trunk of the suv just cram eight <laughs> people in there <laughs> oh yeah um yeah cool uh so all that out of the way uh we will get into the main topic which is uh talking about dan dan um so before we get into actually talking about the nitty gritty, because we are going to talk, we like th- this might be the most in depth that Dan Dan has ever been discussed on a piece of content. Um, Almost certainly, we may we'll be talking about Dan Dan. This is still an Into the North episode, you know. Yeah, I mean, you all know what you signed up for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. Actually, I don't have to give any warnings out. Um, but um, you've probably heard us. Well, you definitely have heard us talk about it a bit up to this point, and you might have heard it before. But uh, we're just going to do a quick breakdown of what uh, Dan Dan the format actually is, so uh, you have a good idea. Um, so, it was uh, a format originally designed, we'll give full credit to Nick Floyd. Um, There's actually a very, very uh, nice Google Doc explaining basically the entire format, the history of the format, and alternate rules and all that stuff that we're going to uh, put in the description as well. Um, they can go check out. Uh, but huge ups uh, to Nick Floyd. I don't think he actually gets enough credit for inventing the format, so I I do want people to appreciate that. He also has contact info and has designed like a bunch of other formats as well. Um, so go check him out. But Dan Dan, um, format was originally called uh, Forgetful Fish or the Dan Dan deck. Um, and at its core. Um, so the idea is that it's a sort of self-contained, almost like a board game constructed out of magic game pieces. Um, so you play it like you would a normal game of magic, um, uh, like normal life points, normal mulligans and all of that, except it's a shared deck. And that deck is composed of typically 10 Dandans, which is a blue-blue 4-1 uh, that <laughs> says it can't attack. Unless the defending player controls an island, and if you at any point don't control any islands, it immediately sacrifices itself. So, <laughs> great creature. Um, and then eight memory lapses. 
uh, which, uh, if you don't know what memory lapse is, is a one in a blue instant that reads counter target spell, put that spell on top of its owner's library. Um, and then, so that's 18 cards, and then typically you fill the rest of the deck out uh, up to an 80-card deck, uh, including islands and a bunch of other cards. Um, and you play it with, again, the shared deck, 80-card deck. Uh, typically, you play it with... Uh... Wait, actually, Britain, do you play it with a shared graveyard? Yeah, I do. Or do you use separate graveyards? I okay. do shared graveyard. Um, typically... Anyway, typically, typically people tend to play it with a shared graveyard as well. Um, but the point is basically that typically Dan Dan is the only creature in the deck, and you need to beat the opponent to death with your Dan Dans while they're trying to remove it and draw cards and do a bunch of stuff. It basically works out to being like a mono blue control mirror in the default configuration of the deck list, um, and it, it is a delightfully weird one with a ton of super strange esoteric play patterns and cards and stuff and it's just it's just great it's fantastic yeah i have uh some other things i want to mention because i think they might be useful yeah do it uh, usually it's only two ofs so you rarely have four yes. of a of a card unless you're playing accumulated knowledge or take inventory which are both card advantage spells that care about the number of copies in your deck or sorry your your graveyard yep. uh your graveyard and the original version of the deck does play four accumulated yeah. knowledge uh and then on top of that uh depending on how controlling your version of the deck is a lot of games will end with the player who goes to draw a card when there's no library left losing the game so uh if all the dandans are in the graveyard there's no ways to shuffle the graveyard into the library or people just aren't playing them you can also just deck each other out and fight over that last card good old control mirror goodness <laughs> it's like a it, it's sort of like control mirror circa like late 90s early thousands in a lot of ways without like any of the power it's just sort of like standard control mirrors or like type one control mirrors yeah it's it's um, definitely uh like either a tempo game or it's just a like mono blue control mirror fighting over every single card trying to get ahead or not fall behind on land drops yeah, yeah. and like by by control we we mean like like true like classic control there's like no there's there's no like single card in the deck that's gonna win you the game like basically ever there's like no game ending bombs it's just you just try to beat somebody to death with dandans yeah. and protect them while doing i it. will say i've heard the format compared to the psychotog like it's just a like mm. hour-long psychotog mirror which is what attracted uh suarez of commander versus to the format uh anytime it gets a little far away from that he like gets a little disinterested in playing things out but whenever mm -hmm. it feels like Psychotog, he's like laser focused in on playing the format. Super into it. Yeah. We, I'm actually I'm I'm adding I'm adding a category into our show notes for later, which is uh talking about the various ways in which you can sort of draw up comparisons to convince people to play Dan Dan. <laughs> that's a that's a good it's an important list. <laughs> because Psycho Psychotog Mirror is definitely one of them. Uh but they're I feel like I, I feel like me and Morgan have definitely, and I'm sure everybody else is trying to convince people to play Dan Dan have certainly like tried to come up with ways of describing it that makes it interesting to various different people. <laughs> uh but yeah, so that's that's sort of like how the format works, and we'll get into talking about some specific card choices and stuff that go into the deck. But that's that's sort of the the general breakdown of typically um, uh, what what Dan Dan is and sort of how you play it. Um, but I did want to before we actually get into talking about any of that. Oh, can I actually, I did want to talk about talk about one other thing. Yeah, go for it. Because uh, yeah. I think it's important is when you're playing this format, are you playing it as a spike? I would say yes. It is a very spiky format. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's it's very much I I feel like it's very much for um 
people who could have been tournament grinders in another life but just never got yes. around to I, it. The way I put it <laughs> it's, is it's very serious games of magic that don't matter. Yes. It's yeah. uh, it's definitely, um, like, have you, I forget who shared the article, but someone did, about uh, heavy gamers versus light gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much like a heavy gamer game where, like, yeah. And I think, to a certain extent, a lot of CDH is, too, where, like, it's complex enough that even when I'm playing casually, you know, like, I'm still, like, thinking through lines and trying to intuit what people have and, like, putting a decent amount of focus and energy into it, even though, like, I'm just playing casually with friends and it doesn't matter. And, like, that challenge to me is enjoyable. And certainly Dan Dan is like that as well. It's not a sort of turn your brain off and like just sort of slam cards i think experience if you remember like when you started playing cdh you and i each of us have started early enough that the games didn't matter like i know you had a league at your local store but yeah. like when i started playing playing cdh there was no tournaments there was no fnm i'd go into a game store and they'd be like what the hell is cdh so there was never games i was playing that had any like stakes or any like meaning and i think dan is very similar to that except because of its weirdness it kind of is locked into that forever, which is a benefit to its health, I think. Yeah, 100%. And also, I mean, if we're doing TH comparisons, like, oh my god, is Dan Dan, like, way more sustainable? Yes. <laughs> As a foreman. Like, you like this one, again, invented in, like, I, I'm pretty sure invented in 97 and has lived to the current day in various forms in Nick Floyd's brain and other people's brains. Uh, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. It's just, no, like, it... Yeah. Just sort of it weirdly us. comes in and out of like Vogue. Although I think this is the most popular it's probably ever been. Oh yeah, I, I would say almost hundred percent. Which does bring us again because I did want to ask this before we get into like any serious discussion about it. How is everybody introduced to Dan Dan? Um, because I know my answer, um, and I'm, I think I was the first person in th- this episode or like in this cast of people to have been introduced to it. Could be wrong. I would say um, most certainly, but I. I found out about it from uh, watching uh, an Anzid MTG stream uh, last year, two years ago. Um, Anarag, if you don't know uh, who Anarag or Anzid uh, MTG is, uh, fantastic guy. He's he's basically carrying uh, live magic on his back right now, live magic coverage on his back right now, um, doing like guerrilla streams um, in SCG tours and stuff like that. It's just fantastic. Um, definitely go check him out. But... In between rounds on one of his streams, I saw somebody uh, brought, like, some, this, like, weird, like, minigame deck, uh, and I watched it for a few minutes, and I was just, like, as as soon as I watched the gameplay for a bit, and, like, the other guy was sort of, like, trying to describe to Anorag, like, what was going on uh, with, with Dan Dan, I was just, like, immediately was, like, I need to find what this is, so I just, like, went and searched up, like, the damn Dan deck or whatever on Google to go find it. Found the Google Doc and it was just like, I'm I'm ordering this immediately. I'm I'm ordering like the cards from this deck and I'm like playing this with people because this is fantastic. Yeah. And then yeah, you played it with me, I think I guess I would have been like the first the first person you you played, played it with, with in the yeah. CDH sphere because we played it in the airport or or it was either in the airport or at our hotel at Marchesa twenty twenty two. Yep. And then, and then you introduced a bunch of people to it after Marches of 2022, like when we were just hanging out after, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then I learned it at Command Fest Richmond, which was a little bit after Monarch, which is where I believe you taught a whole bunch of people. 
and I played it with Cal. Yeah, one of which I think was Cal. Yeah, yeah and I think Cal took a real lucky. Yeah, to Cal it. loves the format. Talk about I talk about with Cal yeah. all the time. We, we joke that we're like the rules committee for Dandan because we'll just randomly have like hour and a half long conversations about <laughs> weird uh, inclusions, but. But the best part is it's totally it's a totally descriptive rules committee because there's like yeah. nobody has any power no, to do anything course. about the format. It's just it's the format's completely contained inside the person who owns the yeah, deck exactly. they play with's head. Um so Yeah, especially cuz like it's you play one person's deck so it's not even like someone else can demand like oh, yeah. oh, your deck has to follow the rule of my deck. It's like we're just using my deck or we're using your Yeah. Deck. Uh so I had heard about the format from working a at Star City Games Philly in 2022 which is like in january i believe because someone had come up to the booth asking if we had dan dans and people were like what the hell is that card so then when i went to (laughs) richmond like months later i was already kind of like aware it was a thing and i i'm usually very not open to trying out formats like this and i was like you know what if cal likes it i'll play it with cal i think i played it with cal and dan there and uh it was just a total blast i was instantly hooked I, I don't remember exactly what it was. It might have been like realizing I can metamorphose uh is it boiler works? But it was some interaction yeah. like that where I just went, Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> this format is so deep. There's so much here. And uh <laughs> I just kinda dove in from there and I've haven't really stopped. Yeah. <laughs> it's dude, it's yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's kind of insane how uh, much depth there is, and it only gets better when you realize you can just change the list however you want. And then it gets like cracked. yeah, it, like yeah, like people who like definitely like order lists for it and play for a bit, and then they like it's it's like sort of like a spark in people's eyes the, the first time that you see like them playing with somebody else who has a different version of the deck, and it's like oh, well I can do that. I can just like swap cards out. <laughs> it's just like yeah. I think the first thing yeah. I did is I added Narset's reversal. Like I but I didn't even order the stock list. I was like I hate Dance of the Skywise. Yeah, like, I'm just I'm just I'm just shoving Narset's reversal in here, and like. It was. I was just hooked immediately. I mean, how can you not be when you just see something this with this much depth that you can like tinker on forever? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's it, it scratches like a really really interesting itch of both like, um, it, it's it's like a more it's a, like a super game designery um way of like brewing decks, where like you you have, you're, you're like trying to work in all these game design principles into like brewing a magic deck, which you don't like usually that intersection doesn't exist, right? Like, you're either, like, doing, like, custom magic designs, like, you're designing custom magic cards, and, like, that's sort of filling your, sort of, the itch for, like, I, oh, I'm, like, really interested in, like, game design, and I, like, want to understand, like, what makes magic cards tick, or, like, you're a deck brewer, and you're, like, building decks, but, like, brewing Dandan, or, like, trying to, like, make, like, make a Dandan list that you're happy with is, like, a really weird intersection of them that, like, works super well. The only other place it exists is Cube. Every other place in Magic, yeah. you're optimizing for power or uh, yeah. winning or or fun yeah. or. But this is the only place where you're like primary thing is like is am I going to have fun with my opponent when we do this yeah, thing? Like, are, are we both having fun? Are we? Are my like? Is this deck going to produce good games like fun play patterns? Is it, exactly. Is it, or is this deck going to make people want to play it again? My first cube I built, I uh, I was in high school, and my friends always joked that they. I needed to like make a Google Doc so they could submit their feelings because at the end of every draft, I'd be mm. like, "What'd you guys think of this? Did you like this? Did you notice this?" 
And my friends always like make fun of me for that. And Dan Dan is exactly like that, except it makes a little more sense because there's just 80 cards. So there's less like, yeah, there's less going on. It's easier to see like it, it's it's so much easier to hold it all in your head yeah, at once. For sure. And like particularly with Cube, you know, there's like there's so many interactions that you just won't see or like you'll see them once and then you won't see them for the next three drafts because like two people, you know, two different people got those cards and like. It, it definitely, like, supercharges how much game design you can do because, like, you know, you you need to play, like, 10, I don't know, 15-minute games of Magic to get a sense for how a change is, like, is impacting something rather than organizing, I don't know, 20 or 30 cube drafts before you decide if you like, <laughs> you know, the two extra <laughs> enablers for the plus one plus one counter archetype. Yeah, and, like, and the, because it's a blue deck, there's such a massive amount of deck manipulation that two cards being changed is like can be if they're the right power level like totally warping to the experience so like when we cut yeah, like you you see so much of the deck every game yeah like when we cut vision charm the game totally changes you know and that's just one card it's only two copies but by not having that card in the deck your entire strategy changes as a player and your entire feeling about dan dan as a card changes and that's really powerful and makes you feel like super uh, enabled, I guess. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, I can make changes and they have an effect immediately. Yeah, 100%. Um, so actually, speaking about the building of the Dan Dan deck, I feel like we should like go through and sort of... Um, I, I feel like we should all like... Maybe not ha maybe hash out's the wrong term or whatever, but like sort of like talk through uh each of our ideas on like um how Dan Dan actually like functions on again like sort of on a like a game design level and like what we think works about it, what we think doesn't work about it and that kind of stuff. Because I th I think it is like really interesting and is also like a great place to start in terms of like all getting on the same page. Sure. Do you wanna go first? Um Sure, yeah. Um so I'd say, uh, I, so like, I, first of all, like, I, I think, uh, just the, the stuff that isn't really even like person to person, just sort of, um, splitting up how the deck actually works is that, um, so you can't have damage dealt in any, uh, in anything that's not a multiple of four is like a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the huge, one of the, like, really interesting ways that Dan Dan functions is that the only way to do Dan Dan in the default Dan Dan deck is in multiples of four because it's per Dan Dan hit and there's no way to alter the power of a Dan Dan. Um, so you can play the game with a D6 as your life total because you just have five Dan Dan hits until you're dead. So you can just play starting from five on a, on a D6, um, which I think is just like super clean. And I, I, I think there's like... I, I think you could break that rule with really good reason, but I I think you need like a really good reason to break that rule. Um, it's a problem people run like into when having... they try to make variants of other card, yeah. like decks built around a specific card. Is that a lot of the other colors in Magic care about damage and life, and so you if you can't play any cards that change your life total outside of a specific integer, uh, like three or four or five or two, you start to run into a lot of problems. Um, and then there's just always sort of the, uh, there's sort of like the distribution of stuff that you need to actually make the deck work on a fundamental level, which is obviously you need to have Dan Dan's in the deck and, um, Dan Dan's should, 
probably be like the best pressure in the deck even if you have other stuff going on or like it like the core gameplay should be centered around dan dans you should like the playing the game should involve casting dan dans attacking with dan dans blocking with dan dans interacting with dan dans in some way um and then you need uh some amount of removal um like this can be a lot of things the classic ones a lot of the time are magical hack because you can change dan dan to say something like forest instead of island which will immediately sacrifice itself um the same thing with something like vision charm vision charm does it on a on a large scale it's uh one mana basically kill all the dandians on the board at instant speed very strong card there's a lot of contention around vision charm in this place in the format that we can get into later um and then uh things like uh like mind bend which is the same thing as a magical hack um and then uh the really cool one is uh metamorphose um which is uh two mana instant put target uh permanent on an opponent controls on top of its owner's library and they can put an artifact creature enchantment or land card from their hand uh, onto the battlefield um which has some other choice some other uses rather but it's also like removal for dan dan's um and then you want some amount of stack interaction uh the other half of how dan dan actually functions is memory lapses um there are no hard counter spells in Dan Dan in the default uh, form. If you want to interact on the stack, it's usually going to be through a memory lapse, um, which puts it on the top, which means that if your opponent's drawing the next card off the top in their draw step, you didn't actually really counter something. Well, you did counter something, but you sort of remanded it, and they're just going to like redraw it, and they're going to be able to do it again next yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's actually an um, incredibly important part of the format that your timing matters, because yeah. if you cast a spell in your yeah. opponent's upkeep, uh, and they they memory lapse it, they draw it, which can be a good thing if you have a card that's like good for you, bad for them. Uh, on the other hand, if you cast a spell on their end step and they memory lapse it, uh, you're probably going to draw that card. And then if you play a card in your main phase, uh, they're probably going to draw it. So timing is a huge part of Dan Dan, and the memory lapses are like yep. defining to that. Yeah, I, I would almost say that the memory lapses are, like, almost more defining of, like, the play patterns of the deck more than Dan Dan's even. Um, yeah, I agree. Just being that, like, you know, like, the main way that you're interacting with stuff is by putting it on top of a shared library, which is, like, where all of these, like, really, like, I, again, esoteric and super deep interactions sort of spiral out of most of the time. Yeah, like, if you haven't played Dan Dan before, you might not realize, but, like, if you memory lapse a memory lapse, then you have a brainstorm in your hand, you can just draw that memory lapse. And then you're kind of yep. able to cast memory lapse again on the original card you're trying to counter. So these like stack yep. interactions can uh, put you in situations where a cantrip really like reshapes the entire like position of the game. And uh, that is really fun. And that's the last category that I wanted to talk about in terms of, like, the core things that you need to make the deck work is uh, instant speed draw effects, um, which is, like, where the, the like, third missing puzzle piece that, like, really makes it all come together, which is um, just, like, any, any, like, instant speed cantrip immediately, you can sort of, like, just think of it immediately, like, yeah, of course, like, if you have, if you're having all these stack wars uh, with memory lapses, like, of course, instant speed draw is going to be really good and really interesting because it means that like yeah if you memory lapse somebody's dan dan and put it on top and then uh like before they draw it like yeah you can use a cantrip to get it into your hand before they get access to it um so it's just like it's it's like the third 
big category of stuff that you just sort of have to have in the deck. Um, again, Brayden already mentioned Brainstorm. We mentioned uh, Accumulated Knowledge already. Um, the other ones uh, are typically you'll have some number of cycling lands in the deck as well. Um, the classic is a split of uh, two Lonely Sandbar and two Remote Isle. Um, and then there's some others as well. A lot of the time you'll have something like uh, removal spells with uh, cantrips tacked on um, or, you know, like bounces with uh, with uh, card draw tacked on, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Repulse is the card I've been playing with lately, which is bounce. It's unsummon with a cantrip for three mana. And uh, yep. that card's interesting because situationally, if there are no Dandans in play, you can't cast the cantrip and so it incentivizes you keeping dandans in play to keep your repulses alive yeah. um and it also like you can save your own dandan and get a card so you can like two for one yeah. people with only your own dandan in play uh, which makes it a lot more interesting yeah. than if it was potentially just a kill spell the classic one that we see a lot in the uh in the default versions of the deck instead of repulse is uh crystal spray which is a magical hack so whenever we say something like a magical hack or mind bend or any like type changing effect in this episode we mean uh, you can map that to swords to plowshares in your brain a lot of the yeah. time um there's two so it's it's a sure yeah it's a, it's a magical hack with a cantrip tacked on for three mana there's two but, i mean i feel like you ahead. should map you should map it to like murder nuts yeah it's sure, sure. It's, sure. Like, it's, it's a murder yeah, yeah. there's yeah. also two rules i want to talk about in terms of uh thinking about the things we just talked about those three categories uh card yep. mushiness which i'll explain in a minute and uh are you going to allow players to trade up on Dan Dan's? So Crystal Spray mm. uh, is a card that trades up on Dan Dan's. Um, I'll talk about the motionist first. One thing that happens when you have a deck like this is that if the card quality is too disparate, meaning like, you know, in CDH you have like decks that will play Llanowar Elves and uh, like Mana Crypt, and those cards like obviously on yeah. different ends of the power spectrum. In Dan Dan, you can decide to put cards that are terrible and busted in the in the deck, right? Yep. And in my you have full control of that. What's that? Yeah, you have you have full control of that. Yeah. You like you can just yeah. So uh, a card like Mystical Tutor is kind of famously bad in Dan Dan. Uh, most of us agree the card kind of sucks. It does some cool stuff where it instant speed shuffles, and if your opponent taps out, you can just punish the shit out of them. But yep. Or if or if they're just like. If if somebody's empty-handed, you're yeah. just like, okay, time walk you, exactly. time walk you. But uh, a lot of times, mystical tutors just pretty bad. If having two mystical tutors is like not something you want, for example. Um, so that card might be pretty bad, and then you might have something like accumulated knowledge, where the fourth accumulated knowledge is like the best card in the deck by like a massive margin most of the time. Yeah. Uh, in some of the earlier versions of the deck, I feel like the cards weren't as mushy, meaning like there were cards on more extreme ends of the deck. And mm. by making the the card quality mushier, meaning like the things at the ends are closer to each other, you make the game feel kind of more like chess, where the amount of variance goes down and the games are more about your like individual decisions and less about did I draw like two mystical tutors or two dance of the skywise. And so right. a decision you can make as a Danian builder is like, do I want the deck to feel variant in that there are cards like Dance of the Skywise, which is a card that only counters Mind Bend and Magical Hack and Crystal Spray. It's just two mana. Your Dandan loses all abilities. That means it doesn't die to a removal spell this turn. But if you don't have any Dandans, that card's pretty terrible. Uh, or do you want to include cards like... Um, I can just pull up my list real quick. 
uh, I don't know, uh, Narcissus Reversal, where Narcissus Reversal is can double up one of your spells. It can act as a counter spell if your opponent's tapped out. It can let you uh, do some cool stuff with accumulated knowledge. It's a pretty like busted card. It's very mushy. It the only cards it doesn't really interact with are the Dandans, and that's fine. Yep. Uh, so you can replace Dance of the Skywise with an Arsets Reversal, which is kind of the same thing. It lets you do some interesting stuff. And the card quality gets mushier, but it also means that like your players' decisions probably matter more, which is not a good experience if your players are like worse at the game. So that's that's yeah. something to think about. I don't know. Do either of you have thoughts on that? Uh yeah, I like I it's actually funny that you use mushy because I I would probably just just like same descriptor I would just use it in reverse as like spikier cards sure. but I I like fully understand yeah uh, whichever way you think about it yeah um yeah I I I mostly agree actually I think um I think like the it's sort of like making the deck uh mushier sort of uh or less spiky um sort of moves it uh, to a place where it's a lot more um skill testing or not even necessarily well still skill testing but like more um you have to be very aware of you know what's in the deck uh and like what certain interactions are as opposed to just being able to like slam super powerful cards um and just like hope that a memory lapse is enough um that being said i do think there is i i, I think there's such a thing as making a dan dang deck uh like too mushy too not spiky mm -hmm. um to the point where you don't get a lot of like really engaging um gameplay around some of these cards because if the, if like if every card in the deck is around the same power level and sort of like trades on a very equivalent access in terms of like card advantage and uh, board advantage etc um you can get to a point where it is not just ambiguous if you should be spending resources in a certain way but almost like doesn't matter if you spend resources in a certain way as long as you're like trading resources at all. Mm -hmm. I um, think you're absolutely right. Which sort of like takes some skill and like some play out of the format. So like you do to a certain degree you need your you need the deck to have cards that are clearly better than other cards and have cards that are clearly worse than other cards. But it's more about like tuning where those ends are rather than just collapsing them yeah. into a single one. Can I actually do you, Splane, do you have anything you want to add to this? Because I actually think it ties into the next topic really well. Uh, on card, on mushiness and spikiness, not not especially. Cool. I guess I would just I would just say that like I, uh, yeah, I do think that like one of the things that makes the format fun is the blowouts, and I think you need a certain amount of spikiness for those sure. to to materialize. Yeah, and I think like uh, for example, supplant form is a very spiky or not mushy card. Right? Yes. A lot yeah. of mana, it barely does anything. It can occasionally two for one, but it leads to like some of the biggest blowouts in the deck. But I think because the, car the yeah. card can two for one, and you can back it up with like cards like Narset's Reversal, it uh, it's like it's worth being there and maintains a level of like spike like spikiness that you want because you don't want to get rid of all of it. Well, and 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 it's also it's also like the a lot of the time, uh, possibly the only card in the deck that can produce killing board states uh by surprise yes. um because with any other any other card in the deck any other play pattern um you see the dandan Dan coming it gets cast they have to wait a turn 
it gets in at you the next turn. So you have a turn to acknowledge the Danad coming down, so you can interact with it on the stack. And then you have a turn of draw, untap, I have all of my mana, all the resources available yeah. to me to deal with this Dandan, or decide that I don't want to deal with this Dandan. So plant form is like the one card in the deck that can break that by being like, okay, you thought that I didn't have Dandans or anything, you thought that you were good to go, you did all your stuff, and then in your end step, I'm going to make a Dandan, and then untap and immediately hit you yeah. with it. So the thing we were talking about with the uh, spikiness and how sometimes it can be better yeah. to just not act because uh, the exchanging of resources is like what all the game is about is that is the other thing I was talking about where you can uh, talk about cards like crystal spray and vision charm. The better pressure is in the deck, the easier it is for a player to see their position in terms of the cards in hand and decide that they're going to be the player that applies pressure this game and force the other player to act. And so when you cut the cards like crystal sorry when you cut the cards like crystal spray and vision charm you make it so that dandans can't be traded with in a beneficial way meaning like killing a dandan doesn't draw you a card uh or it doesn't put you up on cards it means that pressure is as generically like good and actually can test an opponent where if they just don't have the removal spells or the dandans to block with they just die and so if you're going to make the deck less spiky and more mushy, a way you can offset that like lack of decisions being beneficial is by making Dandans contextually better in the deck because it, there are draws where you can force your opponent to act in ways that are not actually like objectively the best, but they have to just to survive long enough to just be able to start pulling ahead with the cards they have in their hand. And I think that's why these two things work together really well is because if you go too mushy, pressure can kind of build, like dig you out of that problem where if you want things to be spiky and you don't really care about dandans being important to the game uh you can kind of do that because it's all about cards yeah what's that could because it's all about cards yes yeah. which is like the sorry just just to be clear to our like listeners who maybe have never played dandan before yeah. the, like the two separate axes of pressure that you have yeah. to account because anyway yeah so. you're absolutely right because in dandan there are two forms yeah. of pressure card advantage and, and life yeah. totals it's true in magic too really but like in dandan it's just so degenerated yeah. dandan it's like super binary it's it's super binary yeah. it's you have like you have five dandan hits in you uh, and then you also need to be at card parity or above with your opponent yes. to win the game. Blah, blah, blah. It's very hard to do both. It's yep. hard to stay. It's hard to stay ahead, and uh, it's hard to stay ahead while also having these cards on board that, uh, in most Dandan lists, are pretty easy to answer. Yeah. So. So yeah, hopefully that's useful. Dude, I think that was a fantastic discussion uh, about sort of like some of the, uh, the the large deck building concepts for um, sort of like evaluating how you build Dan Dan and like what sort of play patterns you, you're looking for. Yeah, it, um, it is like a build things. your own experience, right? And so yeah, understanding like what are the axes you're actually like building your deck on is one of the first things you have to like think about as you make decisions. Uh, so I think... Uh, we sort of got to the point, yeah, so, like, we, we've sort of gotten through, like, how you produce fun games out of a Dan Dan deck, and sort of, like, what produces fun games, like, good play patterns in a bit. Um, I did want to get into sort of, like, what ruins uh, all of the stuff that we just talked about, and, like, stuff that's, like, sort of in each of our opinions, like, actively bad. Um, 
for example, this one, I'll, I'll throw out a controversial one um, early here just to sort of set the tone a bit. Um, in my personal opinion, I think uh, something that sort of makes the makes the deck less fun or uh, less interesting um, in general is actually the uh, prevalence or the playing at all of uh, effects that search the library. Um, I am actually sort of a purist on, I've become sort of a purist on this for at least my own Tandan experience, which is that um, in my opinion, I, I think having cards in the deck that actively search the library such as uh, mystical tutor is is the only one in the uh, default list um, but again people are playing stuff like floodplains or uh, fetch lands or stuff like that um i i think there's a problem with those um that they both there's not a huge amount of upside and they also uh make the gameplay slower there are some iffy edge cases with it and it just like makes the format less clean overall i think you're absolutely right I, I will say this as a person with two tutors in their Dandan deck. I think this is like a rule zero situation. So like, I know it just might sound ridiculous, but if you're playing with people at a bar, which I do a lot, I'm going to like, if, someone, if we've got like 40 cards left in the deck and they're like looking through the deck to get my hand, I'm just going to be like, dude, really? Like, we're at a bar right now. Let's just relax yeah. a little bit. But 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 it's the fact that they it ex, like those effects expose that at all. I think you're right. Like that, that is just a possibility. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. That, like Wait, you can I... just like cast a search or like search library, and then you can just like okay, I'm just looking at the library now, and I can just sort of figure out what your hand is. I think you're right. Is that what you're saying the problem is, or like I, I, it, I, that's a contributing factor to the issue? I also think that there's issues uh, in terms of like I, I think there's something like less clean and like not as skill testing about being able to find being able to like have a card in the deck that can find you the perfect thing for that situation i think there's a level of you just sort of have to operate on what the deck gives you and i think setting that up beyond scrying and rearranging at all um sort of puts you at a point where it's like again you lose some of the you lose some of the gameplay some of the complexity some of the like feel of the format that's interesting to me so I definitely disagree. There. Yeah, I disagree as well. I think okay. I, 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 I think I'm on board with like the whole searching the library with a shared library is is like an iffy space. And if there was like, you know, if I was programming like a an online version of play, you would just like type in the card you wanted to find with Mystical Tutor, and it would be like here it is. You don't get to see what's what's left in the deck, sure. right? Um. But I actually, I do think that, like, Mystical Tutor, particularly, or, like, that sort of effect, I do actually think that creates, uh, like, some, some higher skill, uh, like, situations. I, I think it would be not good to have, like, solve the equation where it just goes directly to I your agree. hand. But the fact that you can tutor something to the top of the library and then, like, you're like, oh, I'm behind on cards and there's two AKs in the bin like i'll just mystical for ak but you have to set it up right because like you mystical for ak you go to your turn your opponent's like oh uh, i'll cycle this lonely sandbar thanks for the third ak yeah, exactly um yeah i i mean so i definitely i definitely agree that like yeah mystical tutor like is in the original deck and is in like most people's zandan decks because obviously there are fun like there are skill testing fun play patterns around that card um but i i like personally think that like it's just it's 
for me it's not worth the downsides oh sorry the 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 other the last contributing factor for me as well is that um they make the game much much more difficult for new people to get into i think uh, because you basically you basically have to hand them the deck and be like you need to read through all these cards in the eventuality that you like have a mystical tutor so that you can actually evaluate what the mystical tutor in your hand yeah i think that's probably Um, which is like super like that's that's like super not fun for people getting into it for the first time it's slightly different than that but very close i think the problem is i like i think floodplain's perfect for being totally honest i think floodplain is the exact kind of tutor i want in the deck it finds two things finds a basic island or finds a mystic sanctuary and the mystic sanctuary is interesting because sometimes you go get it even though you don't want to use it because you want to deny your opponent that draw i think that's interesting also, sometimes you use it to set up really difficult turns, and you can use it to disrupt a uh, Mystic Retrieval. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there. But I think with Myst- Mystical Tutor, everything you've said is totally accurate. I think a one-mana instant that gives you perfect information uh, is like kind of weird. I think the fact that it's so hard for new players to play is kind of weird. I think the fact that it's secretly a very bad card most of the time is interesting and is like part of the appeal of the format to me. but the fact that that is not very obvious to most people who are playing Dandan is a problem uh, for new players. And I, I definitely think everything you're saying that I've mentioned just now, I agree with. However, I'm not sure if I would like cut Mystical Tutor over it, although Cal has, and I don't blame Cal for that really at all. Hmm. I Honestly, of the things you said, I think the the new player argument is actually the one that I buy the most because certainly that has I've experienced that sure it, with like half the new people I've played with where they like cast mystical tutor and they're like what do I find and I'm like yep that is an excellent yeah question. I agree um, but I do, <laughs> you're right I I do think it's actually I think I enjoy it when I'm playing with people who are experienced like I obviously setting aside the like uh the the perfect information aspect and like generally what I'll do when I'm resolving a mystical tutor is i'll like declare what i'm getting sure. and then i'll and just, just flip through until i yeah. see that card and then i'll stop and hopefully that means there's still like half the deck that i didn't see i've honestly considered uh a couple of times playing with my friends proposing the rule that like that is just how the card works and both players get to see the cards Have you to make it like a less of a gain a bunch what, of just like another thing card. you could do both people's reveal their hands or something like another that. thing you could do is uh play like 85 cards instead of 80 cards or like 82 cards and just take five yep, of them and out. just take out like 10 random cards yeah. at the beginning of the game yeah and now we, i think we've actually i think me and morgan have actually had discussions about like similar things about like just having like swap boards for a dan dan deck right oh i do currently just, like, I, I keep sort of at at random just do like like or just do like shuffled swap oh i see for, uh, I, I do dan keep decks. like sideboards of dandans uh for dandan like yeah. i have these gone missings on my desk right now i have crystal sprays and piracy charms and tons of like cards that are almost cards i want in my dandan deck i just keep them on me for when i'm at like events and i'm with cal and it's like hey cal i want to try out this card and then we you know play some games so i think you could definitely do that yeah um anyway that was that was like one of the things for me that sort of like uh for me personally, that sort of like takes away or detracts from the Dan Dan experience. Um, I'm sure you both have some of your own. Uh, for me, it's just lands, like people making land drops. Mm. Uh, if you miss your fourth land drop, you're probably dead. Uh, 
obviously, I think most people play with a free mulligan if you have uh, less than two lands. Uh, we yeah. we play with that. Uh, I've considered upping the land count. Uh, just cutting like physical tutor for another set of like triomes or something, another cycle land. Uh, but uh, or even like a blue white dual land or something, or you know. Uh, I don't want it to be another red source because I don't want to mess with that. But just you know, <laughs> we, can, we we can get into that full discussion in a second. Yeah, yeah Morgan, you can one bring that the, one up on your yeah. Interestingly, one of the variants on the website is before you draw hands, take out four islands, and each player just starts with two untapped I, islands and play. That's interesting. I mean, I had a friend literally discuss doing that, um, and I just think I would just rather play the non games <laughs> and just like. Me and Cal, when we play, we usually play, like, let's say we play six games. Like, three of the games are over by turn three, and we just shuffle up and start a new game. But that's because me and Cal, like, have a pretty good idea of, like, when we play together, we're the only two, we play with each other so much that we have a pretty good idea of what we're doing, and we both can kind of just go, like, oh, yeah, you're not doing very well, are you? And then, you know, just shuffle up and restart. <laughs> just just so big brain of like ah, I know yeah. you're thinking you can kill my Dandan with the mind bend you're gonna draw in two turns but what you fail to consider is that we do do that like it's not exactly that but sometimes it's like hey Cal is this your hand and Cal's like yeah and I'm like this is my hand and then we can see and it goes both ways like Cal will do that to me um I okay I I definitely like I don't I don't I don't enjoy, like, I mean, I, I have conceded to, like, you know, I I had the the pressure, I got read down to, like, one Dandan hit, and then he killed all my Dandans, and he had six cards in hand, and I had <laughs> oh, yeah, and I was like, I'm not. All right, like, talking. yeah, yep. you, you got it. But, like, certainly, I think, and this is something why I don't want to get it, like, I why I wasn't necessarily on board with making it too non-spiky, is that, like, I've definitely had some games where it was like, oh, I was so dead, and then, you know, I managed to, like, force them to tap low, or, like, I induced them to tap low on their end step, and then, like, untapped and slammed the diminishing returns, and then, like, they didn't draw a great hand off the diminishing returns, and I was able to, like, claw my way back into it. And to me, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely... It's not uh, like those games don't happen when we play. It's just, um... Like... You don't always need to play it out. When someone's ahead by like three cards in Dan Dan, it's pretty hard to come back from that, especially if you start missing land drops. Yeah, the, the missing land drops is sort of the death sentence a lot of the time. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I'm just. Okay, when I'm, I'm teaching people, I'll just give them like an extra answers. land every once in a while if they're having a hard time. Mm. Just be like, hey, just take this land. It'll solve a lot of these problems you're having. It's actually like super decent. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, that's, I guess that's like a, that might be an idiosyncrasy for me, or maybe it's just how it works for most people. But like, whenever I'm teaching game systems, I, one of my great flaws is that I just like sort of like don't deviate from how you actually play the game. Yeah. <laughs> enough of the time. Some people, which like tends to be like a bad learning I, experience for a lot of people, where it's just like we could just skip over the shitty part of this and then like keep you, doing the fun thing while you're still learning. You can usually like, you know, there's two types of people in my experience with Dan Dan when I'm teaching them. There's people who I teach them, and I'm like, oh, you've played Legacy Delver before. You're going to get this. Y you get it. And this, then there's yeah. people who like, have only ever played Commander before, not even CDH. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I have to like kind of walk you through this because you don't have a understanding of card advantage, you know? 
yeah. you might enjoy this, yeah. but like you just don't have the tools yet to really understand. You don't what have you're like the, the framework or the experience having played games like this. Yeah, already. I mean, like it's not hard. Yeah. Like it's not like these, we're like no, we're not like, like these yeah. gigabrain chads walking in with Dan Dan. No, it's just we've just you just like need this mental framework of like having played like yeah close like super dependent on position like one v one games and yeah. formats before. Uh, where like tempo matters, card advantage matters, pressure matters, like all these things. Yeah. If you've never played a format like that. It it kind of needs to be explained to you. Usually, yeah. Some people are just it's, nuts it's, and yeah, figure it out. <laughs> you sort of after having like after having played Magic for like a while, um, like it feels like it's sort of a blind spot for a lot of people of just like yeah, you sort of like need people to explain the fundamentals of a control mirror to you a lot of the time. Like it's, yeah. it's hard for a vast majority of the population to come up with the guidelines and the heuristics that actually guide the play in those matchups. On their own. Yeah, and when you play a good one, like I remember I played a Lutri, I used to play Lutri in Modern for a couple months, and I played like a Lutri mm-hmm. Mirror against Blue White in Modern, and it was like an hour long game, was our only game we played, and I ended up winning. And uh, I remember at the end of that being like, wow, I'm good at magic. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. I, like, this pile of garbage I'm piloting to have even had a chance to beat this like Blue White player. I I like really had to not make any mistakes this game, <laughs> and I was I'm not actually that good at magic, but sometimes you like no, but that's 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 sort of the feeling that winning a like really long drawn out like a uh, like a like card advantage tempo mirror sort of brings out of you is just like I'm the fucking I'm the yeah. best player. Yeah, and that's what Dan Dan makes game. you feel like, which is why it's so fun. Yeah, because exactly. at the end you feel smart, dude. What do you? And some people just want to feel smart. What do you get like? What do you get a massive blown? Yeah, wait, Morgan. What's you? You, you have a great quote about this, and I'm not going to do it justice. I'll yeah, just well, I think what I said was, uh, Dan Dan gives you uh, the highest uh, or like the greatest number of next levels per time spent playing. <laughs> That's it really funny. Of any, like that is just the whole format is just like next leveling back and forth. And that's and, sort of the uh, goal is just to next level your opponent harder. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely feels good when you like see something for the first time, and then it, it also feels amazing when you're teaching someone and you see them see something for the first time, and you're like, "Oh, I know you oh, just yeah. connected the dots here about what's happening. I'm excited <laughs> to see what you do with that." You know, especially when they're just disgustingly yeah, good at magic, which occasionally, like, you know, I work at SCG in Roanoke. There's a lot of people who are just. Yeah, you know, really? there's some people walking those halls that have some accolades. Yeah, and you, like, play with someone, Suarez is one of those people, where, like, you're like, oh, I didn't know you were, like, just absolutely sick at this at this game. Like, just absolutely nuts. And, like, you see them, like, the you know, the, the cogs turning in their head, and you're like, oh, you, like, get this on a level I don't. <laughs> it's It's really cool. <laughs> I've only beat Suarez uh, once. Cool. It's like legitimately one of my proudest games of Dan Dan I've ever played. <laughs> that's that's amazing. <laughs> I actually, dude, I uh, we I like we don't we haven't gotten out to that many like conventions or uh, tournaments recently. But I I actually just like super want to just get more Dan Dan in with like a like wide array of people because yeah. it's just yeah it's just great like learning how people have their uh, their gameplay take on a weird format. Yeah. Where skill matters, like, a lot. This is a bit of a, like, aside, but, like, I don't know if you remember, like, when people tried to get Commander Versus to play CDH, like, seven years ago, and how it, it was a fucking oh, nightmare. Uh, but I, when I started working at a SEG, like, one of the things I figured out, which I didn't know, 
and I should have known, I just didn't, is that all the people on Commander Versus are like, well, I'm mostly thinking of Steven and Justin. <laughs> storied, and, storied magic Yeah, players. like, <laughs> yeah. they're like nutso. Like, just absolutely yeah, like. have played a lot of competitive yeah. magic. <laughs> and like, that's why they work at SCG is because they love magic. I mean, they might not anymore, but like, at a, there was a time. When, <laughs> yeah, there was a time. There was a time where it was like their life. Like, Suarez has a family now. He's like, just he's just a guy. But like, if I get it to sit him down and play Dana, it's like, oh, I play. It's like the best player I'm gonna play with this year. <laughs> you know, um, and like he like again like I mentioned earlier, he thinks of it like a psychotog mirror, and like you could tell he's done a lot of this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep so it's really cool Danan's great because it's like a casual enough thing that people who like kind of have like don't want to take magic seriously will play it but they're still spiky enough that they can't help but take it seriously and it makes it really yeah, fun exactly yep uh cool um so i did want to get through just uh i i i have a couple more notes on like uh like or like deck building misstep missteps or like um things that i think sort of make the format worse if you include them in a deck uh i i just run through them if uh, people are sort of out of their own personal ones i don't know i end up being opinionated on game design stuff like this for no good reason it's not like i have any actual experience doing game design or whatever but you know i play games i like to have opinions that's why i have a podcast exactly (laughs) um (laughs) um so like the a couple other big ones uh for me are like not having like not including uh anything that even approximates a howling mine in the format um oh yeah like i i've seen people like sort of talk about like oh like what if i put in like a um reality like chip. a narset part of the veil or like reality yeah. chip or just like some like persistent card advantage engine and i can think of like very few things that would make the game immediately unfun than having um something that is like just asymmetrical value that just sort of sticks in play even if even like even if you're playing like oh yeah well like we'll play like from your example like we'll play like two reality chips and then like the mind bends can kill reality chips like all the time i like i'm still not like at all a fan of that at all it's just like okay because a lot of the time what this is gonna end up being is you're gonna play the value engine and then uh like, they just don't have a removal spell, and you just run away with the game. Whereas if it was a Dandan, like, okay, they have a few turns to, fa- to find something. It's not producing advantage, it's just reducing my life total. Wait, how can mind bends kill reality chips? You just... Well, I was just saying, like, e- even if you agree that, like, even if you agree that oh, I removal see. spells sure. that can kill yeah. Dandans can kill, like, X repeat like sure okay, okay engine. Yeah. um it's still not a fun experience at all because it's like now we're getting to like modern control mirror territory without any of the framework that makes those actually enjoyable to play <laughs> right okay like, I like can you could have enjoyable you could have enjoyable like control mirrors in the current year with everybody playing like three fairies and big yeah, like, can you imagine if like, like there was five minutes of fairy value like that'd be awful yeah exactly oh, like God. it just ends the game no. in the spot right like it's just terrible yeah it was um, funny. That was like I was gonna say. There's no Teferi when you were like, it's not. It's like an old school control mirror where there isn't like some big you know card that's just gonna win you the game. I was literally gonna say like, there's no, yeah, there's Teferi, no Teferi here of Dominaria that you just or like, just like Teferi period, like just any Teferi card. Yeah. <laughs> the only one that'd be close to acceptable but, is the uh, four mana one that is like uptick loot, downtick phase. Even that would just be way too good. I think yeah. I think the instant speed 
Oh, you're right. That would be nuts. Would, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm out of my mind. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, are we um, going to do anything in the end step? Oh, you memory lapsed something? Well, I guess I'll use this now. Otherwise, yeah, I'll that's like incredibly yeah. fun. Um, I hadn't considered that. I, I um, think, uh, I think what's okay. I do have two. You said, you know, nothing would ruin it for me more than, uh, than like something like a reality chip. Yeah. Uh, I have I have two two answers that I submit would ruin it more. The first is kind of just a joke, and that's glamour die. <laughs> yep. It's just oh okay. As long as anybody has lands in hand, we don't get to play the dead dead game anymore. We're just playing the control game. But the actual one that I like thought about uh, more seriously, uh, but I think actually would be the worst on so many levels was spell skype. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> yeah, it just ruins it completely. <laughs> and and not only does it like ruin, you know, all of the removal doesn't work and it's just like impossible to ever permanently deal with. Uh it also breaks the four damage increments. Yes. <laughs> because you have to, yeah. you have to pay two life into it. <laughs> that would be awful. Um, I actually yes. I, I had a couple of people the like initially, um, I think I actually have some worse ones, which are, I think I, somebody at one point, uh, I, I think they were doing it in a half-joking way, but were sort of probing for what I thought about it, um, <laughs> suggested counterbalance, and I was just oh. like, that is, like, one of the worst possible answers for this, <laughs> like, it's like, okay, cool, here's this one card that as soon as you resolve, the game ends, and there's no it's answer like to it. It's like, two-thirds of the cards <laughs> are two-drops. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, all and the, the decks have all top. Right, I have the deck an is all top deck. In I have an answer. Sensei's divining top yep. would just ruin the format. Yep. So that that was the other one that I was going to mention yeah. that somebody had suggested to me, which is just like just someone yeah, actually un, did suggest that to me, and I had to terrible. like hold it in. The like rage. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's it's possibly the worst card you could have picked in the entire game. To <laughs> the whole format would be about like yeah. finding a top and then. Like, just having a top. Well, yeah, and like making sure you're always drawing. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, well, it's not you just have it in play. You're just like every time anything important happens, you're just like, okay, I'm just gonna pass with all of my mana up, and then yeah, I'm just and you gonna, can like, like win the game literally activate top, the top, tap the top, forever. activate top, so that you like get to draw the card you want, put yeah, top I, on top, like, then put it I, second like, from the top. Like, I'd say even if even if top couldn't tap to draw and put itself on top even if it was just look at the top three yeah it would be too for good. mana that still ruins the yeah, format on its own honestly i feel like even without the rearranging just i mean obviously just like one mana wouldn't be enough but just three. literally yeah. having perfect information on your opponent's draws would also just suck like, even if it was just yeah, an uh, artifact that said tap put this on top of the deck it might be too good honestly that at least there's like at least there's interesting stuff there there right? is because then like you're you can't burn it early, like you're. If you do, your opponent gets access to it. Well, and like you have to every memory, like can you imagine, like bit, you know, like play that on turn yeah, one, you, and yeah. then like every memory lapse fight from that point on, you have to like play around it. Be a nightmare. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. Um, I think like yeah. I think there are some more like realistic. One of the things that I wanted to talk about in terms of like how you could ruin it is, and I I apologize, Britain. This may be a call out. Um, is putting in like actually good card advantage spells oh yeah i remember there was dis discussion on twitter about factor fiction i don't remember if it was it's drake drake it. plays two factor fiction i think in every version he's ever played that's okay that's insane well, i agree <laughs> i guess i'm calling out drake then yeah because i, I like to like me we haven't done i that think enough. 
I think the <laughs> the <laughs> dynamic of like diminishing returns being the only like diminishing returns and accumulated knowledge being the only things that actually like increase the number of cards in your hand well, and, and predict. But I guess yeah, I have, I have one that um, I wonder. What, can I? I'll let you finish. Yeah, I was just gonna say like I think that that's like a very healthy dynamic and like uh like factor fiction because you can't really do anything about it other than just sort of stop it from happening and there's no like real downside it just kind of feels like if you're like a little bit ahead and then you have a factor fiction you just kind it is of the, the spikiest game. card you could probably possibly include but it's also okay, just but like what about epiphany at the drown it's, yard it's, it's <laughs> not x even... cost factor fiction <laughs> i feel like it gets it gets like it just gets out of spiky at that point. And like, in my opinion, at least, it's just, like, too good to include, though. Because it's just, like... It's just, like, this one card that will always be good as long as you can cast it. Uh, and is just, like... It will just dig you out of I think or, like, there should be no card in the deck where if you Mystical Tutor for it, you're still, like, feeling great. You know what I mean? Like... Like, right, like without context, yeah, right? Without like, context, because yeah. if you take, like obviously mystical tutoring for vision charm when you're playing yeah, three, I just mean like you're like, never just gonna like in a vacuum this card's busted. Like take inventory yeah. is the closest, but again, not in a vacuum. Like you have to have the right cards in the graveyard, and you're opening yourself up a bit. Uh, but and mystical yeah. sure always does that. Certainly, certainly having a target where you could just mystical, you could be like, eh, I have like some space right now. I'm not under pressure. I'm just gonna mystical tutor for this card and then i'll have it later for when i need it yeah i mean i think that would be you go not a good turn one land pass your opponent plays a temple they scry you misclude for factor fiction that's like messed up that's like not okay yeah that's like, so really... fucked up i just can see yeah just right like, no, like, yeah you got it yeah just um, like, cool. I, like we could keep playing this game but i'm gonna lose in i have turns. a like <laughs> i have a card vanish spell i think you guys will like it's a charter course i think that card is yeah i yeah had, okay so Yes, but actually no. And uh actually, okay. Let's finish talking about card advantage spells and then I'll explain why I don't like sure. charter course conceptually. Sure. <laughs> um but yeah, like card like you shouldn't yeah. The the idea is that for in order to generate card advantage, you need to either interact with your opponent or get the game state to a point where a conditional card can then gain you the advantage. Like there should it should just be very difficult to just go raw, like a two for one. Yeah, I agree. Is I think like the more expanded version of that, like over just card. Draft I spells, did have a right? card in the deck at one point, which is Memory Deluge, and that card was really close. Uh, because it has flashback. There were a lot of yeah, games I played like, yeah. where, like, you, where the person who gets the seven lands first is often the same person who casts Memory Deluge, but it's not always, and there's enough Stone Rains and stuff uh, in the form of the Metamorphose that it's actually an axis you can fight over, and if you cast the one from the graveyard and you weren't the person who cast the original Memory Deluge, you actually basically, and they, like, they're going to Memory Lapse it or they lose, uh, it actually then just becomes like a two for two because they lose the Memory Lapse, they lose the original Memory Deluge, and they got two cards off of the original Memory Deluge. So that, that card at least had some interesting play to it. Uh, but, I mean, it's still too good. But 
that it's it still feels like yeah they come out ahead because either they got to spend four mana followed by two mana two mana versus your seven mana but it costs you nothing they get because you're casting it from your grave no no but but i'm saying like just on either if you have a memory deluge and it resolves then if you cast the one from the grave then obviously you get massive card advantage even if it doesn't resolve yeah and if you if the opponent casts it and you lapse or unsub it, then uh, you got a pretty substantial mana advantage and went card neutral. Sure. And I think that that's like both of those situations are really good for you purely on the vector of you resolved a memory deluge. Yeah, I think it like the fact it never does better than two well, two for one is like a big deal versus factor fiction. And the fact it does open you up to some weird flashback stuff is also important. But yeah. it's still probably too good. It's definitely too good if you're trying to make Dandans matter at all. Yeah. Which is sort of like some tension. Yeah. Which I guess we can now get back to the Charter Course discussion because Charter Course is very much a card advantage spell that is trying to make Dandans matter. Yeah. It has a goal. It has a very clearly obviously stated goal, which is, hey, do you want to draw cards? You should play a Dan Dan, <laughs> which there's really nothing else like <laughs> so, and, and attack with it. Get to untap. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. So I think yeah, this is this is the we're getting into the the d- dynamic that I haven't loved and I haven't thought of a good solution to Great. is uh is blocking is like almost every time I'm being attacked with a Dan Dan, except in like very specific circumstances it feels correct to block. And I think, like, I think in my ideal version of Dandan, blocking would be correct, like, 70% of the time, and currently it feels like it's correct 90% of the time. I think Charter Course helps there, too. I feel like you still just want to block because, like, because, like, I guess if if you specifically have a Charter Course, then you don't want to block, but, like, you want to block. Or if you're ahead, I guess. Like, if you're, like, very far ahead, and you're, like, seeing more cards than your opponent is every time. Well, no, if you're very far ahead, you want to get their... I feel like if you're ahead, it's better to turn off their chart of courses than mm. yours. Than turn on yours, sure. Sure, that's possible. Like, because... because well, theirs is already turned the... on, right? If, they're, if they've gone to combat, and they have a chart of course... Sure, but, like, but like if you're just talking... If you're, like, well, if they don't have it now, or, like, I have mana now, I can just memory lapse it, or yeah. whatever. I mean, chart of like, course does something else, And, too. and also, it's... It's still, it's also, it's better when you're ahead when it's turned off, right? Yeah, like, I agree. Anything like looting is better the more cards you I have. Played. I do think, though, one of my biggest issues with Dandan is making your, like, fourth land drop. And Charter Course does actual, like, takes a real, like, dent in making it easier to make that fourth land drop. Because, mm. like, being able to back up, uh, you know, a Metamorphose with a, mar- with a Narcissus Reversal or a a memory lapse or you know memory lapse something and then can trip back what you lapsed is like really valuable and so hitting four lands is like basically a, a minimum of any hand uh which in reality is just never going to be the case um you're just going to have hands that sometimes just fail to do that but chart course does a lot of work in on turn two and letting you just like look at two cards throw away a supplant form and it, it mushes things up a bit, um, but 
I think that's okay. Also, there's a sick interaction where you discard uh, Mystic Retrieval, which is like my favorite thing on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. So, you just um, ditch it to immediately cast yeah. it. Every time you do that, you feel like a genius. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think Charter Course has been a net positive in my version of Dan Dan, but it is a card I avoided for a long time until I decided it did exactly what I want a card to do, which is make combat better and smooth land drops. And it does both. Hmm. I guess, yeah, I think I would like Charter Course with something else that disincentivized blocking. Is is like where I'm where I'm at because I I definitely agree like the the dynamics you're describing the healthy dynamics you're describing are ones that I think are good I just like for me the the experience I've had is just that like blocking is is almost always the correct play and I feel like until you alleviate that Charter Course does some not as great things. <laughs> interesting i wonder so i know you said you don't like have uh, solutions for it morgan do you have like ideas of like classes of cards that would potentially um encourage like less blocking uh in some situations uh, i was thinking about like a spell that i was thinking about like a spell that that effectively just drew for how many dandans were on the field um could so like thousand could, like, or whatever yeah, but like obviously the ones that exist aren't like good enough. But right. um just something like that in that sort of vein where um like a card that would be bad if there are two dandans on the field but good in terms of card advantage if there are three dandans on the field. Um is it like what? Like concerted defense? Am I remembering? Uh, I, none of the card doesn't exist as far as I can tell. Like right, I looked sure. and I I couldn't find it, but um but yeah, like just that idea, um, or potentially some class of spells that uh, are like discounted when you have a Dandan in play, or are more powerful when you have a Dandan in play, um, that I think like could make an interesting trade-off of. Um, I mean, Charter like, Course. That's the thing. I'm, I'm as an example, it's like Charter Course does incentivize you to have a Dandan in play. But the fact that like you need to i think the problem is is that uh like it doesn't it, it incentivizes you to attack which is like which then just incentivizes them to block and like that's sort of the issue that like the the only time yes it, it's an incentive exactly when you have charter course in hand dan dan in play and you're being attacked that is an incentive not to block but I think that that's like that's not enough in my mind. Yeah, I guess I, in the past, I, I just um, wouldn't play Dan Dan's unless I had eight cards in hand, like like other versions of Dan Dan ago. That was my like heuristic: is like only play Dan Dan's mm. when them crystal spraying would like it would like not put them up a card because you would have otherwise had to discard to hand size. Right? Does that make sense? Like, you have eight cards in yeah, hand. If you discard yeah. a card, they go up a card on you. But if you play Dan Dan and the Crystal Spray, it stays where it, it's the same outcome effectively, but you might be able to, like, start applying pressure. And I feel like with Charter Course, 
it at least gives you a reason before that point to play a Dan Dan because you're like, oh, I might draw a, a charter course or I might uh, even tutor up a charter course or something like that. And uh, having a Dan Dan play already means that I get to play it now instead of waiting for it to come later. Or it, it might give you an incentive to memory lapse a, a charter course or otherwise you might just let it resolve. So. Okay, actually, here's here's one that, that I think would help. Uh, stub. Stubborn Denial? Stubborn Denial. Oh, I hate that card. <laughs> so, <laughs> the is, thing is, is yes, it's technical. Right? Like, it does actually counter a spell and send it to the graveyard. However, it only does the non-creature spells, which I think is good. Like, I, I, I think any counter spell that can send Dandan to the graveyard is very risky. I agree. Um, Especially but, when that encourages you to have a Dandan play, where it's like the play pattern is I play my Dandan and then I counter your Dandan for one mana, and now we're in a place yeah. Like where, I think like, it's I think it idea. like it also it's specifically best at protecting Dandan. Um, I uh, I was actually thinking though I, though I just said that a, a counter spell that can hard counter a Dandan is dangerous. I am actually interested to try um, Supreme Will. Which is oh, the, these are all cards three I, mana for... I, they scare me. I don't want any hard counter spells. I want any. I mean, it's a it's a mana leak, so it's not. I like, don't want any card like, that says counter target spell. It goes to the like graveyard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, that's yeah, so, that's fair. So this is so this this is one of Braden's lines, right? So this is like I was talking earlier about like I I'm not a huge fan of searching, Braden. Yeah, very obviously. Not a fan of like hard counter magic. Yeah, it just which is like super understandable. It just the whole point of the format is you have to fight it. over these like niche interactions and like it just going to the graveyard means the fight is over. You know, hmm. <laughs> I I find it extremely funny that we're like because of the peculiarities of this format, uh, force spike would be classed as a hard. Yeah, it would spell. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. where, where in every other format that would be like the quintessential soft counter spell. Yeah, it is weird, but like unsubstantiate, for example, like but it, I, but it makes sense. I love yeah. squeezing the counter spell out of unsubstantiate. Oh, dude, it's so fun. Unsubstantiate is is like I like so the the deck is built the deck is built around memory lapse and requires memory lapses to function. Unsubstantiate is so much more fun. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but it, it's 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 fun because of the structure built by the memory lapses. Yeah, but within that structure, oh, but it's so much more fun than the memory lapses. Oh are. yeah, but you also like can you imagine if there were four of them? Oh yeah, it would be terrible. Oh, it'd be like, awful. You, you don't want anything more than two. Of it's them, just a little two a little taste. It's just chef's kiss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like every time you like get in a counter battle and they like go, you play a spell, they memory lapse it, you memory lapse back. And then they like have another counter spell, and you just go like, "I'll just unsub my original spell, and I'll also draw one of those memory lapses you just put on top of the deck." <laughs> it's it's great. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, I mean, the classic also like unsubbing into the wheel, but that's uh, you know. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> you get that I, everywhere, but unsubbing. Into Cal wheels, and I played a game it. over uh, at Philly that was recorded, and where the last play of the game is unsubbing a. Uh, a mind bend uh well he has no mana up and then i just get in for lethal nice it's like oh perfect <laughs> you know oh that's yeah that's that's so great because that that just doesn't happen that often. no it's so <laughs> rare especially mind bend. Hand and they can't cast it again yeah, yeah. and that, the notes for the game actually say like brayden uh my uh unsubstantiates his dandan 
and Cal concedes, and I'm like, oh, that's not what's happening. Like, <laughs> what's actually happening is the yeah. unsub on the mind bend is just closing the door. That's great. Um, cool. I so I think we've spent a fair amount of time talking about the construction of Dan Dandex in terms of like broad categories of things, which is I mean, great. We could probably continue talking about that, but oh, we're not going to hold Braden host. I mean, we're not holding him hostage. He's talking about. I Dan love Dan Dan. Yeah, in his favorite place right now. This, I'm in my happy place. Like, I've got to do Braden so much of it yet. lately. It's awesome. <laughs> like let let's be real. He would just get into the the window the windowless van if if you just said <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to play talk about Dan Dan for a couple of hours. It is crazy. Like, there's a large content creator. I don't want to say who because I don't want to spoil anything. Who's making a Dan Dan video? There's uh, a uh, a the artist for Dan Dan Drew Tucker just did the Dan Dan set of tokens, which are like beautiful works of art. Yeah, which is fantastic. Uh, Playing with Power recorded some Dan Dan at Philly. Hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler. Um, they're also a huge. They're also huge, right? There's tons of people yeah, who are like yeah, making Dan yeah, Dan content right now, and they're all talking to me, and I'm like, ha, 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 I'm the Dan Dan guy. How can I help? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I'm Dan. I'm not Braden. I'm Dan. I'm the Dan Dan, Dan guy. Uh, I also got a Dan Dan tattoo, so yeah, it's been fucking dope. It's been fun. That is that is dope, actually. I I actually I I think uh I. Th- I think a CDH tattoo would be sort of cringe for, like, anybody, honestly. A Dan Dan Yeah, I do not have a CDH though. tattoo. <laughs> I, I, think that's I, had, I was part of the CDH cast, no CDH tattoo. Have played Dan Dan for one year, have a Dan Dan tattoo. <laughs> Dan Dan it's too. just, uh, for those yeah. listening, it's really, just the numbers really four you, and one. You. That's all it is. So, Which is great. I mean, that's... that's oh, yeah. I really like tattoos when they're nerdy, like mag- like magic nerdy. Having tattoos that are just, like, totally meaningless outside of, like... Yeah, 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 being way too into it. <laughs> yeah, fully agree. Um, but yeah, so aside from broad deck construction and sort of like uh, gameplay and game design and sessions and all that kind of stuff, um, let's talk about some specific cards, huh? Sure. Um, just open floor for uh, some stuff that uh, you're a fan of that isn't potentially in the stock list, but that like you're either a fan of and really like to play or would like to test or would really like to be able to put in a Dan Dan deck without completely ruining it. Oh, God. I, um, I have so many cards. <laughs> I, I, one, one that I'm like super interested in and I, I think it would probably ruin the deck. I think, I think it would be a net negative. Um, but Una's Grace. Oh, I think God. is like sort of interesting. And I think, I think in the default Dan Dan deck, it would ruin the Dan Dan deck. But I think there's probably a really, there's probably a way out there to build a version of Dan Dan that looks like significantly different from the ones that are currently being played with, where like Una's Grace is a balanced card and is like a core part of the gameplay. I think what you do is there's the uh, bounce spells from Konzatark here that have delve. Mm. So you play those. Oh, so you can delve it out of yeah. the bin. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about more of like it's, it's just a persistent way that you can exchange mana and a land in your hand. Oh, just like almost like a companion like player where you can just like be like, yeah, discard a land. Or like you, you, you just, you just like start with it, like yeah, or like, or like an effective version of that where there are like two Una's graces in the deck and it's built around that interaction mm. happening consistently. Interesting. Um, I, I just think it would be super cool, just because it's like one of those things where it's like. It's retrace, so it's persistent, and it just like sticks around. But both players can leverage it if they need to. Yeah. The weird thing is, uh, are there two copies in the graveyard, or are there infinite copies in the graveyard? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Which is like something you'd have to figure out yeah. if you were actually going to play it. Because if there's one copy, 
you once the first person plays it and can... that's it <laughs> so until it resolves Wait, what? no no it's retrace well oh, well it's on the stack oh well it's on the stack yeah so, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. but if you have infinite copies in the graveyard each player can just keep discarding lands to yes it. you just like keep doing it yeah um interesting uh i have one i've been looking at which has gone missing it's five mana for a sorcery i have it right here put target permanent on top of its owner's library so it's very similar to uh, metamorphos except it's five mana and a sorcery and then you investigate which means you create a clue artifact token which with uh two sacrifice draw card uh five mana there's no five mana spells in the deck right now which for aesthetic reasons makes me interested in it uh and then i really like land destruction in dan dan like a lot and i yeah five mana feels i think right. we I think we all agree. I think specifically Morgan, but I, I definitely like hold this opinion, and you also do as well. Like the like the metamorphos um, play, like the play patterns around metamorphos being like some of the most interesting ones that you can get into in the cube in general. And I think I think adding more of that is like a really interesting idea. Yeah, I think four is probably the most you'd ever want. And at five mana, it starts to not be worth yeah. doing. Where at two mana, it's like very yep. obviously worth doing. Uh, but at seven mana, like put a permanent on top of the deck, draw it, because you just sack the clue for two. That starts to be a really interesting interaction. It gets kind of close to a mind control, which is a card I've considered in the past. Um, but then also the the bankability of the card draw. Oh, is very powerful. It's right? probably a little can, too good. Like, if you don't if you don't if you don't need the card uh, immediately, and you're sort of just like maybe like bouncing a tap land or something yeah. to put your opponent off of mana. Or like just like leaving, getting a Dandan Dan out of play for a turn, and then you could bank it for later, like the stack wars. And yeah, stuff. for sure. It's an interesting card. I I feel like that. I I like the dynamic of like fully killing a Dandan Dan takes more than one card, you know. And I and I like it makes me a little nervous of like that's another one of those ones where it's like. If you're ahead and you can just resolve that, then the game the game ends, right? That that makes me. It is a seven mana nervous. two for one, which is like. It is a seven we, mana. No, two but that's for not one, a bad. But that's what I'm. I'm not saying. Can you believe it's seven mana? I'm saying like in Dan Dan, a seven mana clean two for one is like above rate, maybe. <laughs> like it's it's. It is about well in one contained in a one card package where you don't have yeah. to combine things together, right? Like it's I I think that is above grade yeah. decidedly, but it, is it okay? I mean, Mystic Retrieval like is that Mystic Retrieval seven mana that there's the making of red mana, but it's not that hard. Yeah, so it's close, not perfect, but close. Honestly, like the games that end with someone just resolving both halves of a Mystic Retrieval are, are like, some of my least favorite games, I think. Yeah. So, like, I... Oh, actually, yeah, sorry. I, I know we sort of skipped over that. Morgan, do you want to get into your gripes with both, like, mana coloring and, in general, Mystic Retrieval? Because <laughs> I know that you probably want to I mean, so, out. like, Mystic Retrieval is, is something that I'm, like, waffly on. The, the, I think the gripe that you're referring to that I've referenced most is yeah. with Is It Boilerworks? Yep. Where... I think that, like, it's cool to have the land that returns a land and, like, is a, is two land drops for one, but has the risk of getting uh, metamorphosed or whatever, and, like, obviously it's awkward because one of the mana isn't blue, so you can't play, like, 
can't play Dandan off it. There's a bunch of stuff that it, you know, stops you just playing, paying the double blue with. Um, but I think the fact that you want to get red mana should be decoupled from that dynamic. Like, I would rather put in maybe two or even four more blue-red tap lands and play, like, growth chambers or whatever. Have you ever, um, like, mind-bended your island to play retrieval? I don't think so, because almost every time someone retrievals, they just instantly launch it back, has been my experience. Yeah, I meant, like, you have eight mana, your opponent's tapped out, you don't have any red sources, so you pay four mana, basically, to exile. You're basically paying four mana to exile the retrieval by, you know, first you get back your mind bend, then you mind bend to land, then you get the card you actually want. Um, that way you can't, like, give your opponent the free card. I've I've done that before, um, but it just makes sense. But it's also like I I feel like a lot of the time, um, it, it's rare that that happens without like a fight. Oh yeah, it's experience. not like a common... like, it's 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 yeah. It's not common. it's like it's it's hard to get it to a point where like you have a mystic retrieval in hand and like a bunch of mana and your opponent's fully tapped out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it's usually but, after a fight yeah, over yeah, mystic retrieval to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's over the first one and then you you just like have the shitty grin on your face as you show your opponent the second one. Yeah. <laughs> or or they try and mystic retrieval yeah. and then they lose the fight and then you just untap Yeah, that's what I was them. that's what I meant. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, like, I think the uh, I think the original uh, version of the deck was on uh, Corlatol instead of uh, the Growth Chamber, or not Growth Chamber rather, but uh, Boilerworks. I really like Boilerworks. Um, I'm a big defender. Yeah, of I I think I think Corlatol uh, has problem. I mean, like, obviously it has problems. There's a reason why nobody plays it in any format anymore. Um, having to only ma- like making colorless blue and then also having to return an untapped island is rough. Um, but like I think if like Coralatol, yeah, like if if Coralatol existed that could bounce like tapped lands as well, uh, I think that would be interesting. I think There's also a, like maybe the Guild of the Commons. If you could like, you could try that. Yeah, I, I was more Wait, thinking that's though, like double colorless yeah. though. It's double colorless. Yeah. Um, I I was thinking though that like Coralatol, if it if you didn't have to bounce an untapped island, I think would actually be a really interesting spot in terms of power levels because you would have this like bounce land that's technically card advantage because the bounce lands are card advantage yeah. and very much like this is probably one of the formats where they show their card advantage the most a lot of the time. I agree. Um, uh, where I think not being able to bounce the non-basic or like the non-island lands, but uh, still being card advantage is really interesting because like I think like. Uh, we we've had a lot of discussions. Like, I I think we're like a, at least I'm of the opinion that like Halimar Depths is one of the best cards in the deck. Oh, I agree. Um, and it's like being able to like Halimar Depths and then it's like... yeah yeah exactly. Um, but like being able to like have this is it boiler works that already fixes mana and is card advantage on its own, and then being like okay, I'm, without casting any spells in like a almost uninteractable way, I'm going to boiler works return this Halimar Depths, and I'm just going to Depths you next turn again. Yeah, I mean, it's just like that is that, that's brutal. that's like it, that's very it's it's very spiky and it's a it's like 
it's with it, obviously two cards is within it's interactable you can like metamorphose stuff to like turn all that stuff off but it's like that that specific uh play pattern inches a bit close to too strong for me so i think like having having a way to like have the play patterns of the bounce lands without being able to replicate specifically that would be interesting yeah i think it's something i've definitely put a lot of time into thinking about because it is like the uh the the net of like I mean, like a this intertwined net of like card advantage and mana selection, and the Dandans not being able to attack if you don't have any islands. Like all of this weaves together in a very interesting way. And uh, outside of Mystic Sanctuary, Floodplain, and Odawara, which I've done some testing with Odawara, I'm not really willing to edit the mana base all that much. It is, uh, it's a very oh, yeah, complicated it's... thing, and I think if you it's mess with it very well thought through yeah. at a base level it's probably nick floyd's like biggest achievement in this entire deck to be honest or whoever made the blur works mana base um yeah sir so, i mean yeah like it's it it is like <laughs> you feel it like it, it's sort of invisible when you start playing dan dan and as you play it more it's like wow this like just playing the lands here all like works together in like really it's a huge part interesting of the game. and satisfying ways. Yeah. It's actually one of the things I think is the most magic y of the game. Uh the fact mm. the mind bends and the magical hacks can change the land types, and the fact that you care about the second color just a little bit, and the fact that Dan yep. Dan cares about basics versus non basics is all the sort of stuff you would cut from any board game you made based off of Dan Dan. All yeah. None of that would remain. Yep. But it adds a ton of just like grooves into this like larger experience that I think is generally beneficial. Uh, Morgan, do you have any uh any cards that you uh we haven't mentioned yet that you think are hot? Uh, one thing I've like thought about I f I forget who I saw mentioning this, but I was like that seems neat. Um, curious if you ever tried it, Braden, because I know you. have spent a decent you certainly spent more time than we have tinkering with the list was, actually uh, like playing it and tinkering was uh mission briefing i've never tried that seems very good like very, very but good. like it it is like kind of maybe maybe you couldn't do it maybe you'd have to do it in a version that didn't have like the ak's or at least they'd have to be taking mm. inventories yeah i mean uh, we're gonna get into that later i'm sure but the, uh, but like I don't know, just it rebuying a spell, exiling it permanently is like a sort of an interesting uh, concept, um, and like yeah, I I don't know, it doesn't seem like too strong. You are still pay you're like you're paying blue blue up front for like basically nothing, and then you get to cast a spell from the graveyard. And, like, the spells aren't actually that good. <laughs> so, I think I don't know. It, it seemed like... I, I also, like, just generally, the concept of surveil and effects like it seems kind of interesting to me. Um, I don't actually have, like, a great example of one that I think would be uh, good. Like, for... Like, I, I don't necessarily think that, like, putting consider in would be good, but I just think, like, the concept of actual not just like choosing who gets which cards but a worse rated cantrip 
type effect that actually got rid of some cards. Like otherworldly gaze. <laughs> Sorry? Otherworldly gaze. Which one? The one oh, mana, the blue sure, yeah, instant yeah. with flashback one and the blue. I mean, those three. Yeah, something like that. Or just like one of the like tie game scheming or one of those like surveil fives. Right. I, I think those are probably just not good yeah, enough. Yeah, I think the issue with a lot of these sorceries but... is that they don't replace themselves. And in Dan Dan, that's just like so a death tough. Sentence. Yeah. Now, mission briefing yeah, which is, is a why... cantrip, basically. So. Like, it's basically, like, it's like if you took the flashback off of uh, uh, Mystic Retrieval. Am I thinking Mystic Retrieval? Yeah, that's the name of the card. You have to play the card this turn, but you're probably playing a two-drop, because the entire deck's made up of two-drops. And you get some deck manipulation, so you can theoretically play it, like, theoretically, dur during a counter-to-war battle, you could, like, uh... Um, let a memory lapse go to the top, cast this, mill the memory lapse, then memory lapse. I think that'd be interesting. Uh, this is a card worth testing, for sure. I would probably cut the Mystic Retrievals. Then, you get, then without the Mystic Retrievals, though, yeah. the whole mana base starts getting kind of weird, and you start being like, well, why is this here? Why is this here? So, I mean, I'm very... Yeah, but also, uh, like, I think, uh, even if you look at the doc from Nick, um, I think he actually mentions uh, in, like, some of the designer's notes that he's, like, uh, yeah, so, like, he wanted to add a scry land to the deck. There's no blue version of New Banalia, so Force used one of the dual-color temples. Um, he went through spells to see if there was anything with a color identity of both blue and another color that could replace the spell in the deck. So I, this actually backs up what we've been talking about. Of The the Temple of Epiphany actually came before the Mystic Retrieval yeah. in the deck. Um, with the re Mystic Retrieval sort of being, like, added in as a justification for the Temple yeah. of Epiphany going in. Um, and then, yeah, but, like, definitely talking about it here. And I think this is probably something that, like, I, I don't think it's been touched that much, but it's maybe something worth uh, thinking about is that uh, he actually uh, mentions, um, like, none of the... He mentions some, like, other split color cards and saying that none of them would act adequately replace a spell to my liking, uh, but the Temple and Guild Bounce Land could change if a new card is printed with another color identity, or you just like some card better in your own deck. So I think actually, like, potentially just, like, playing around with uh, swapping Mystic Retrieval out for, like, a card that's another color, and then just, like, swapping the entire mana base over to that color I, uh, could be, like... Green is the one I would, I think is the most likely, and then white after that. Yeah. You have Azorius Charm in white, which is pretty messed up. Um... Mm. And then in in green you have reclaim, and then there's a three mana version of uh of what's it called like you know the metamorphosis effect, it's one green blue, put a permanent on top of the owner's library. Oh, temporal fidget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you know why I know that one? Why? Because I have played it in popper. Oh, cool. So yeah, I th actually to relative success, but anyway, cool. I think those are the two colors. I, I mean, there's only three other Wait, options no your temporal fisher is the one with storm you're, oh. you're derping <laughs> oh sorry am i oh sorry it's a uh, oh temporal anyway i'll find it you keep uh, talking but yeah uh temporal spring sure go <laughs> i think um those so reclaim and temporal spring i think are the reason to be in green i think green actually has a shockingly mm. high number of top of deck cards um yeah honestly but i think i i, I think Mystic Retrieval's dope. I think 
having a card that makes you <laughs> tap out for seven is pretty cool. Uh, because there needs to be a reason for you to tap out on your turn in like the tenth turn, and uh, I think Mystic Retrieval yeah. kind of gives you an excuse to do that. And I also think blue people just like blue red. Like I like the aesthetic of Temple of Epiphany and Is It Blower Works and. They all have old border versions because they were printed and, you know, stuff like that. At a certain point, we are playing, like, a silly little format, and, like, I can just be like, I like old border stuff. It's easier to do that in blue-red. I'm going to stick with blue-red. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's also, like, the, the there's sort of the aesthetic of, uh, or maybe not aesthetic, but, like, there it's sort of, like, lodged in anybody who's been playing Magic long enough and has played, like, Eternal Format's brains of, like, blue-red being the Delver colors. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and it's very, like, gameplay tends to be very Delverish. You have, like, this threat that you have to defend that doesn't really do any, I mean, that's broken from New School Delver, or, or, but I'm not talking about New School Delver, I'm talking about good old classic Delver, of, like, you have these threats, they don't really do anything aside from just being efficient and getting damage on their own, and the entire deck revolves around trying to keep them in play and playing the card advantage game around them. Yeah. Um, and it just fits very nicely with that. Uh, cool. Um, so I, I guess actually, spinning off of uh some of that discussion as well. Um, I did want, actually want to get into a small sort of section as well about just the least favorite cards that we have for uh current brews and current build of the deck. Um, I know we all probably have a pretty uh yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some there's pretty, some stinkers in the original list. Yeah. I think we could all agree. yeah. Yeah, so the, the big ones, I think, for uh, all of us are um, specifically uh, Ray of Command and uh, Dance of... Or, God, what are Dance of the Dance Skywise. Dance of the Skywise. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're just, like, you play with them, and you, like, very quickly realize that it's like, oh, these are, like, the things that I'm going to misculture at the top of the deck when my, <laughs> I don't want my opponent to draw a card. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, here, I have this Dance of the Skywise as a dead draw, because it's literally just not going to do yeah, anything. Yeah, it's um, funny how often that's, like, a reasonable thing to do. Like when those yeah. cards are in the deck, you're like, "Oh, I'm not gonna play a Dan Dan this entire game because Crystal Spray's in the deck, and I don't want to give you the two for one." So, uh, here, take this Ray of Command because that'll be useful. <laughs> yeah, well, just in general, just like, "Oh, Halamar Depths, cool. I'll leave this Ray of Command on." Top oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> like just, yeah, you just like it's it's like basically just like four cards in the deck that are effectively just dead cards that you're just giving your opponent, and it's like <laughs> they're dead cards that like they're not even islands, so you don't even have to risk your opponent getting a hit on mana on you or getting up on land drops on you. You're just like, this is just gonna be useless because I know that it's in your hand, and that makes it useless by virtue of happening. Yeah, I think. What what I was thinking about Dance of the Skywise, which is uh, for those who aren't familiar, is uh, it loses all abilities, becomes a four four with flying. So I guess like Blue the secret mode is you can force four damage through if they have a Dandan Dan to block with. But what I was thinking would be like would make it a reasonable card would be if it made Dandan Dan into a four five. Mm. So then yeah. at the very least, like Dance of the Skywise plus a Dandan, Dan, like kills their Dandan. Dan. And you get to keep yours. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the real thing that ends up doing that is interesting is like forcing uh, combat tricks to happen before blocks. And I'm not sure that actually makes the game more fun. You know what I mean? Or actually, no, it doesn't. You just wait for them to go to block and dance to save their game yeah. and they kill it. Yeah, that is actually oh, really cool. If there was a. 
it's it's like a god yeah if dive down gave like an extra point of toughness it would be like the perfect <laughs> like the perfect replacement for it but uh dive down would be i guess sick. being at one mana is like probably too much oh, maybe not uh, i don't know that that might require testing but like dive down if it gave like plus o plus four and hexproof would be like sort of what you're talking about there like being like an actual reasonable combat trick where you can yeah. like block like it encourages blocking you want to block with it and it also stops stand dance from dying to removal yeah Um, and then, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, good old Ray of Command, um, if anybody's not aware, so uh, Ray of Command is, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. I originally printed in 5th edition, I think, or Ice Age, Ice Age, right? Ice yeah, Age. there's nothing originally Wait. in 5th. Yeah, um, Ice Age, uh, which is an instant speed threaten, uh, for four mana, which is just like almost never good. Um, the the reason why Ray of Command would be good, uh, like the perspective reason is obviously if your opponent attacks with two Dandans, you would be able to Rave Command uh, one of them and then block the other one. The issue is that you just like never want to have two Dandans in play anyway because Vision Charm exists. Yeah. I, um. So I've... like you people are already incentivized to not play into this the like the one situation where ray of command is actually yeah um, and, like consistent and you good. might think like hey well once you cut vision charm you might want ray of command but it's like well the reason i'm cutting vision charm is so people want to play two dandans at once i wanted it to be free to put pressure on board yeah so by adding ray of command i'm just reinforcing this behavior i don't want to exist even if it's lighter because like probably not gonna get blown out by ray of command most of the time which yeah like you, you you might be able to justify it just by saying like it's three more mana than vision charm and requires them to actually attack with both rather than, yeah, than, but like, than just like existing on the board but it's still like it, it's, it's like why did i it's, cut it's vision bad charm, incentives you know i didn't yeah. cut vision charm so yeah. i could play ray of command i cut vision charm because <laughs> I, I didn't want to play vision charm. exactly <laughs> Um, which actually, okay, I, I think this is probably a good point to actually hop into this discussion real quick. We'll, we'll just hop back and forth, whatever. Um, about sort of, like, I, I think what is, like, one of the clearest demarcations of, uh, like, the split between, like, a control-oriented Dandan deck and a tempo-oriented Dandan deck. We talked about this a bit in pre-show. Um, which is, uh, like, basically boils, or, like, the, the most apparent, um, symptom or like outward showing of that split uh, is with the inclusion of vision charm or the exclusion of vision charm um it tends to be that the dan dan decks with a vision charm in them uh tend to be a lot more controlling because there's just inherent pressure on you to not commit too many dan dans to the board at one time because like you can just get blown out for one mana in instant speed um so you're almost always just going to play at trying to be plus one dan dan on your opponent so if they have one in play you might be able to get two in play but a lot of the time, you're just going to have a single Dandan Dan in play, even if you have one in hand um, yeah. to play out. And even Whereas, then, like, like... As soon as you take that away... It, yeah. If you can't, like, grasp, like, how, like, warping of the format Vision Charm is, imagine if there was a one-minute isn't speed board wipe in standard. Like, yes. what kind of threats would see like, okay. play? They would not be vanilla four ones. They would be, like, creatures that enter the battlefield and, like, draw three cards, you know? <laughs> Or more realistically, you just wouldn't play. Yeah, creatures. you just would never. You never would. But you'd only play <laughs> yeah. creatures that like have impact on board. 
beyond their yeah. body. And in Dan Dan, there's no creatures like that for obvious reasons. So, um, so do you do you want to talk about why you why you're more partial to the tempo builds? I don't know if I personally am. It's more just like no, I want my Dan Dan to be fun for as many people as possible. And when I play sure. with Drake, I have a lot of fun with like factor fiction and stuff. But I play with a variety of people who have different interests, and I think if you're I only take joy in feeling like I'm being a good game designer and like making a cool game that's interesting and has layers that people enjoy. I take pride in that. And I think the tempo version is the most accessible. It is the most fun to the most people. It is the one with furthest depth and the least heuristics. And uh, that's like a really interesting thing to have. And also, uh, I want my op- opponents to play with me. So what their opinion is matters quite a bit. Sure. 100%. Yeah. So I really like um, Memory Journey and Factor Fiction and stuff, but I just think most people don't, and the feedback I get uh, tends to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's especially, like, if people are coming from, um, like, formats, or at least, like, coming from decks or, like, expertise, or, like, styles of play where creatures are much more the focus, um, it makes sense to build the deck such in a way where you actually get to play the creatures as the focus of the deck yeah. versus the spells. And if you think about it, like um, the three of us, that is not exactly our background. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, so I wouldn't say it so. It makes sense that we would not be as partial to that, even if we enjoy it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is a perfectly enjoyable... I mean, there, like, it's it's a perfectly enjoyable way of building the deck because, like, yeah, I like, there's a reason why I enjoy playing, like, standard draft um, every once in a while. Uh, there's a reason why I enjoy playing like lower power formats. It's because like you know, the combat step is really interesting and really fun a lot of the time because you know, it was sort of designed to be that way. That's that's what the game runs on in the formats that like aren't CDH, which I don't know. I don't know if our our viewers would or listeners would agree that uh combat is fun, but combat is fun, man. <laughs> uh, Honestly, very, very optimistic of you to assume that we have <laughs> listeners at this point. At this point, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, we should give out like a we should give out a, a passphrase at the uh, <laughs> like three quarter point of the episode or whatever for anybody that got through it. <laughs> like, hey, everyone, you know, at some point during the episode, we will give you one, the answer to one of the questions on next week's test. So make sure you <laughs> listen to the you whole thing all the way through. It. <laughs> um cool um yeah i think so uh i think we got through most of like the structured content that we sort of had on show notes and we are pushing it a bit on runtime but i will uh sort of open it up uh i know Braden specifically i like me and morgan have sort of talked through a lot of our thoughts on dandan already um so i think we've covered a good amount of that but if you have like some burning stuff that you want to get through um i have a i have a gut, more than, i have a gut check uh, for us who want to do a gut check Oh sure. If uh, hell yeah, okay. If if we want to do a gut check, uh, then we we will cap off the main topic there, um, which I I think was good. I think we got through a lot, <laughs> a lot of dandy. I I think uh, we we're like pretty, pretty solidly are now at like probably the most comprehensive piece of dandy and content ever created. God um, bless. We'll, we'll probably be, <laughs> we'll probably be, uh, overthrown at some point in the near future based on how popular uh, how popular the format is getting, uh, which is a great thing. But we'll hold that title for however shortly we will be. So um, I'm glad I could. Assist. Thanks for listening for, 
main episode. Thanks for hopping on for that one, Brayden. Uh, and then we're going to hop into our other stuff now, which I know everybody, everybody's coming back from the, uh, their hiatus from the, oh God, I have to listen to Dan, Dan, never mind. Call me back when gut check's happening. Well, gut check's happening. So, uh, Brayden, why don't you let us know what it is? You want to, first of all, give us the story behind this gut check. And then we'll, I, we'll uh, the I messaged check. Cal at 5.02 PM on March 22nd. Can you give me a gut check question? Cal went, oh shit, uh, and then the gut check question. Are we ready, team? Well, I think, I think, the, yeah, the, the context of this is also, uh, we were hoping yeah. to have Cal on oh, as well yeah. for this episode, and yeah. because we're crap at scheduling, we sort of left and it just the too late, and, uh... Cal's also, like, see, the busiest person could... in the universe, so... Yeah, yeah he, for sure. Like... <laughs> and we reached out, like, a month ago, and it was like, yeah, good idea, and we reached out a week ago, and Cal was like, I've, I'm booked till the end of April, and I was like, oh. Oof, Sag. Well, so my, this is this is Cal's voice making its way into the episode. All right. Uh, I feel like I've had too much time to look at the message, so I'll, I'll wait until you guys. No, answer. you're fine. Just just run it. Accumulated knowledge or take inventory. Go. Uh, I am gonna go with accumulated knowledge. I'm I'm all in on take inventory. I, I mean, I'm I'm bought, sold, I paid for. <laughs> yep. I think I'm gonna say take inventory. I, I haven't actually played with it, but I feel like it would, it would like some of the dynamics I don't like about accumulated knowledge. Feel like they would be alleviated. Some can I too. can I sell y'all on take inventory? Oh, go for it. There are two axes. No, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what my reasoning is afterward. Sure. There are but, two axes yeah, on which it. Dan Dan is played. Pressure, in the form of tempo and other things. And, well, the pressure, I guess I should say, there's two forms of pressure in Dan Dan. That's probably a better way of putting there, there's, it. There's, yeah. There's what, your life total in the form of getting hit by Dan Dan's, and there is uh, card advantage. By forcing both forms of pressure to be played on your turn, when considered alongside the existence of the memory lapse interaction, means that anytime you want to pull ahead and one of the primary resources that are used to close out the game you have to make a decision on your turn and open yourself up to memory lapse and that is a good thing uh so i fully agree uh with all of that reasoning in fact i am a staunch advocate for the uh I, I think uh, I, I don't think it was ever officially named or anything like that, but the uh, Patrick Sullivan's uh, Baneslayer test, which is like if Baneslayer is good in a format, that's a good sign because there's tension with a Baneslayer angel, right? Yes. Where there isn't with something like a Ravenous Chupacabra. You play something like a Ravenous Chupacabra and you immediately get your thing as soon as you, it resolves. Uh, and then you don't really care what happens to the body. Or, like, you get the body, but the body doesn't really matter. There's tension involved with a Baneslayer angel. You, you have to spend a whole five mana on this thing that doesn't do anything immediately, and you have to get a whole turn cycle around to untap with it. So you, you have to be super confident that you're going to be able to, like, get your next turn with this Baneslayer Angel in play, or at least, like, get a favorable exchange on it or something. And that that's good. It's, it's good that you have to, like, have, like, suspense about all that stuff. And I think it, like, a very similar line carries over to um, Dan Dan here. It's basically the same line of, like, there, there needs to be tension. You need to be incentivized to take risks and like play cards that just by virtue of playing them have risks attached i.e in this format doing stuff at sorcery speed i fully agree 
my reasoning for why like accumulated knowledge is because it's just it just allows for way more next leveling <laughs> i think for i sure. think take inventory is the objectively healthier card for the dan dan format i think accumulated knowledge ends up with far better blowouts and that's what i'm interested in that's a very reasonable take it's a shockingly reasonable take because it sounds like an insane <laughs> thing to say but the format yep. is kind of about that uh yep the for example like the thing i think about is uh, the interaction between narset's reversal and take inventory it is unbelievably gross that you can have three accumulated knowledges in the graveyard play the fourth yep. reversal it to your hand yep. play the fourth again then draw five cards off the copy <laughs> yep. and you're up like nine cards or you're eight cards nine cards ridiculous for two number. cards fast um <laughs> that's awful but also when you do it you're like i'm the best magic player who's ever yeah, lived this, this, this fucking rocks this is great <laughs> so yeah i see where you're coming from yeah. uh i like for for full context again remember everybody listening that i'm the person who like i will take the lines that involve activating thrasios the most among my opponents are like no i think we're done here i'm like no no no, no wait let me have a couple of more turn cycles with this seaborn views so just a few accumulated, more man i need this accumulated i need these thrasios activations nicely. to get through my week guys <laughs> exactly yeah sure all right you know what thank you cal very appropriate gut check and also very quizzable. Um, so that's much appreciated. They're already doing a better job than London. Um, <laughs> wow, just <great>. brutal, <laughs> just savage. All right, <laughs> uh, I gotta, you know, what? I gotta get a jab in because uh, Linden is also very sad that he couldn't be on the uh, the podcast with Brayden. Um, Brayden, I'm sure we can get you on at some point. Oh, I'm uh, at I'm some a, point later. I'm uh, a slut for some talking about and, things I like. <laughs> we would we would be more than happy to have you on again so we'll try to yeah. get you on with linden at the same time <laughs> unfortunately linden hates dan dan so no does he like around. the basic land um, game at least uh, okay i'm gonna be honest i don't actually know linden decided he was gonna hate dan dan before he tried it and then he tried yeah. it and told us he hated it and i'm i'm like I'm still not sure <laughs> not how legitimate sure. that was. <laughs> that is um, some fucking shit posting I'd expect out of him. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know it's a very if I, I trust him on that one. <laughs> I'll have to go up to Toronto um, and bully him into being honest. Dude, do it. Next time there's an SCG in Canada, which is probably never, but <laughs> just come up sort like solely to you actually. There, there's an SCG in Toronto. You're not even here to work it. You take the day off, come up, and come here just to I just take them. the day off. I take the airport. <laughs> I, I fly in yep. Saturday morning. I'm out Saturday night. I'm just there to bully. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, 100%. Um, cool. Uh, so in terms of gut check, again, uh, as always, uh, this gut check will be put up in our... Uh, gut check channel uh on the discord so if anybody listening wants to go vote and see what everybody else thought about our answers for the uh the gut check this week uh go do that and then we also have all of our previous gut checks in that channel as well that you can go vote on and engage with and do all that good stuff and see what everybody else thought about them um so go do that if you haven't uh but that actually uh wraps it up for our uh content for our episode um so thanks y'all for joining. Uh, I'm going to uh, very quickly thank Brayden and also ask that he once again does any more shilling that he wants to before we close out. 
Yeah, again, I'm Brayden. You just heard me talk about Dandan for two hours, and you stuck around. So that means you definitely want to follow my Twitter account, BraydenMTG, where I never stop talking about Dandan. And then also you can check out my content on TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram on the Star City Games channel. It's Market Movers. We talk about which cards are going up, cards are going down, what cards I think will go up, cards I think will go down. Uh, I try to get people to yell at me as much as possible. It's a great time. Content rules. <laughs> Hell yeah. Again, thanks so much for uh, making the time, hopping on. Of course. Um, much appreciated. Well, we'd, we'd love to have you on in the future. Um, but that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, if anybody would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod via our email at Into the North Podcast at gmail.com or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks uh, goes out to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work toward improving the quality of the podcast. If you, too, would like to become a patron, we've got patreon.com slash Into the North Podcast. Thank you, as always, to the band of Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music and to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye.